It is a beautiful Thursday night down here in South Florida. This is the Motorsport Ministry, your home for all hot takes, news, and other discussions in the motorsport world. We got some topics to talk about today. We're going to talk about Kyle Larson's monumental title-winning battle. We're going to talk about the Formula One title battle and how that's shaping up. And we're going to end the show off with our race weekend rankings. Might be the last one of the year because really besides Formula One, at least... I don't really watch that much sports car racing, so maybe I'll try to throw a little more attention to it. But even then, Petit Le Mans is about to end. So this might be the last race weekend ranking of the year. But without further ado, let's first begin by talking about greatness. You know, greatness is something that is a word that's thrown around a lot. But very rarely can you just look at something you think, damn, that thing was awesome. One of these things about greatness is a generational talent, a once-in-a-lifetime prospect. You know, these things, these people, they come very rarely. Yeah, you might have a guy out there who's really good at something, but can you really go to him and point to him as a generational talent, someone that's going to come in once in a blue moon? Someone who the clear talent gap between them and the rest is so monumental that you could probably stick the distance from the earth to the moon in between it. One of these drivers, which I'm going to talk about as I allude to, is Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson is that generational talent. He is that driver where, in terms of his pure raw talent, like let's take probably the second most talented driver in the Cup Series. It's probably Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch is arguably the most talented driver, is what everyone says. The talent gap, in my opinion, between Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch is ginormous. I think that if you were to put Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch in the same car, which both of them have no experience in, whether it's a stock car, whether it's an Indy car, an F1 car, whatever, Kyle Larson will blow Kyle Busch out the water. And he's considered the most talented driver in the Cup Series. Whereas drivers like Christopher Bell and Chase Elliott are compared to drivers like Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, legends in their series, their specific series, the NASCAR Cup Series, Kyle Larson transcends that. He's compared to drivers like A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti, Dan Weldon. Not just NASCAR greats, racing legends. Those that even the outside folk who may not even heard of Formula One, who've heard of IndyCar, even sports car racing, they've heard of A.J. Foyt. They've heard of Mario Andretti. They've heard of Dan Gurney. And now, Kyle, they are going to hear about Kyle Larson in the future. Kyle Larson's NASCAR championship is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to his resume, the greatness that is Kyle Larson. But before we get into, you know, the rest of his accolades, let's talk about Kyle Larson's 2021 season and just... Let's put into perspective how monumental this season was for Kyle Larson. He had 10 wins. First time since 2007, the drivers had achieved 10 or more wins, which is Jimmy Johnson. He also went on to win that championship. He had 20 top fives, 26 top tens. He had a ninth place average finish, which was, I believe, the seventh best average finish in the Gen 6 era. He led 2,581 laps, the most laps led out of any driver in the 36 race season era, which dated all the way back to 2001. 
He won three races in a row twice this season. The first time that's happened since 1987, done by Dale Earnhardt, another legend. And he won five out of the ten playoff races, the first time that's been done since 2011 when Tony Storr went on that tear. Kyle Larson had arguably one of the greatest seasons in modern NASCAR history. And what I mean by modern NASCAR history, I'm not talking about the modern era dating back to 1972. I'm more talking about from like 1990 to now. His season's comparable to Martin Truex's 2017 season, to Jimmy Johnson's five straight titles, to Jeff Gordon's 1998. Seasons were, when you look back on the history books, you're just in awe thinking to yourself, how the hell can someone achieve such greatness in just one season? A season where someone, where most drivers, 90% of NASCAR drivers, would kill for just for a career. They achieved that just in one season. And like I said before, alluded to it, this is just the tip of the iceberg for Kyle Larson. He's a 2021 Cup Series champion, like we just discussed. He has double-digit wins in Xfinity and the Cup Series now. He's also got wins in the Truck Series. He's a dirt god. Like, the dude is a god at dirt racing. You can make the argument whether he's the best driver in the world, but you can't make an argument. He's probably the best dirt driver in the world. And he's also a Rolex 24 champion. So he's got accolades in sports cars, multiple different divisions in dirt in dirt racing. He's got multiple wins in all types of NASCAR divisions, and now he's a champion in the top division of stock car racing. And again, this is without this is without competing in the Cup Series. For 10 months, Kyle Larson, when he was suspended, he was out of the series for April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, January. 10 months without stepping into a NASCAR Cup Series stock car. And Kyle Larson just murdered everybody. He made his teammates look like they were competing at Richard Childress Racing. He made his championship four fellow competitors seemed like that they were competing for Team Penske back in the early 2000s. That's how good Kyle Larson was in 2021. He basically just came in. You might as well just say Kyle Larson was a rookie because experience at the cup level especially is so crucial. You see what guys like Chase Briscoe went to win nine wins in the Xfinity Series. He, didn't even, he only achieved a third of that in top tens this year for his rookie cup series season. So Kyle Larson, with very, very, very minimal Cup Series experience going to 2021, at least compared to the rest of the field, he just murdered them. Like Kyle Larson had more top, had more wins this year than Kyle Larson had more top fives this year than the rest of his teammates basically combined. That's how dominant the season was, and it needs to be stated how just dominant his season, kind of like. I compare a season to Martin Truex Jr.'s 2017 season. Whereas Kyle Larson was able to just accomplish what he accomplished with basically no practice, no qualifying, being out of a seat for 10 months. Truex, like, let's read off Truex's 2017 championship seat. Eight wins, less than Kyle Larson. 19 top fives, which is less than Kyle Larson. 26 top tens, the same amount as Larson. He had a 9.4 average finish, and he also led over 2,000 laps. And his average finish is 9.4. But what made Truex's season so dominant? Not because the laps led. The real key to me is that Truex had six DNFs that year. He didn't finish a six of the season. He was behind the garage. And he still murdered the entire field. 
with six DNFs. That's a lot of laps that Truex probably didn't complete. I don't I don't know exactly what his lap completion percentage is, but it has to be less than 96% to have six DNFs. And that's not even counting the races he probably finished off the lead lap because of damage. So to have that much adversity in a season and still just wallop the field, same thing with Kyle Larson. It's just it's just a sight to behold. Like, drivers like Kyle Larson, they come once in a generation. The most recent driver I can think of that's similar to Kyle Larson is Juan Pablo Montoya. Now, I'm not saying that Kyle Larson is Juan Pablo Montoya. Larson is nowhere near his level right now. Juan Pablo Montoya, in my opinion, is the greatest driver of this generation. Better than Alonzo, better than Schumacher, better than Gordon, better than Johnson. Juan Pablo Montoya, in my opinion, is he eclipses all of them. And I'm not saying Kyle Larson is there. He has a long ways to go to get to the level of Juan Pablo Montoya. But I'm not saying he can't get there. I very much think Kyle Larson has that potential. Like when Kyle Larson won the championship, let's talk about more than just Kyle Larson for what that meant for his greatness. Let's talk about what it means for motorsports as a whole. Kyle Larson is often seen not just as a NASCAR guy, but just as a racing guy. Like I've stated before, with his past ex- with his past dirt experience, with his past sports car, he's seen just as an all-around racer, not just a NASCAR racer. So when Kyle Larson won the championship, it wasn't just a win for NASCAR. It was a win for motorsports as a whole. That's how much of a big deal it was. Like you saw IndyCar drivers... F1 drivers, sports car drivers, dirt legends going up to me like congratulating Kyle Larson. Drivers that you wouldn't have really seen do that if it was like a Chase Elliott or Truex or Hamlin. That's how monumental Kyle Larson's championship was. It wasn't just a win for NASCAR. It was a win for motorsports as a whole. So let's conclude this topic by just appreciating how great Kyle Larson really is. Because this dude is a once and he is our he is our generation's AJ Foy. He is our generation's Mario Andretti. He is our generation's Juan Pablo Montoya. And we need to value him while he is still here. Especially NASCAR fans. Because I mean, Kyle Larson said if a team, if an F1 team while he's in Abu Dhabi wants to give him a shot for a rookie test, he'll take it. You don't know. One minute he's here, you know, competing for championships in NASCAR. The next team might be overseas trying to compete for an F1 championship. You just don't know. With a driver like Kyle Larson, with his talent, with his caliber, we need to appreciate that while that still lasts. So we ended a couple series' championship this past week at Phoenix, Truck Xfinity Cup. Let's move on to a series that is still going on with four races to go. Formula One. Max Verstappen won his ninth race of the season last week at the Mexico Grand Prix over Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez. Right now, it is a 19-point gap to Lewis Hamilton with four races to go. We still got Brazil. We still got Qatar. I believe I pronounced that right. We got Saudi Arabia, if that track is even finished by then. And we got the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So with Brazil coming up, is Verstappen starting to pull away from Mercedes and Hamilton? And is it starting to get... Well, obviously, he is pulling away it's the currently this is the biggest gap since silver since the silverstone incident 
But it is starting to get to the point now where Mercedes and Hamilton can't catch up. Think about it this way. When Verstappen was going on his tear from Monaco to the end of the Austrian doubleheader, it looked like Mercedes was going to be taking a back seat. Like this wasn't going to be the Titanic title battle to the wire. It looked like Verstappen was basically going to walk away with it. There was even some memes out there. One of my favorite ones was the Megamind meme where it's like, oh, you saved us. And then the new hero was like, I want to say save, more like under new management. And it was showing the Red Bull and F1 and etc. These four races are going to be crucial for how Mercedes can hold on to Red Bull. Brazil. Hamilton kept pace with Verstappen in 2019, the most recent race that we had at Brazil. Even though Verstappen went on to win. Qatar and Saudi Arabia are new tracks. We don't know what they're going to bring. They're a complete wild card. So it's up to it's anyone's game. And Abu Dhabi is a Mercedes stronghold. Yes, Verstappen won last year, but at that point, Mercedes really had nothing to lose. They locked up both championships. Both drivers were firmly secured in first and second. They probably couldn't, they probably could have taken a backseat for that race, and if they had the choice, they probably would. It feels like Mercedes, in my opinion, is trying to balance 2021 with 2022. What do I mean by that? It's just from the fact that there's been so many races this year where Verstappen is head and shoulders above Lewis Hamilton. We had maybe one to three, maybe four races where it felt like Mercedes was head and shoulders above Red Bull. But it wasn't to the point where it's like, you know, I mean, you have Lewis Hamilton basically going to radio and saying, like, dude, I need a literal rocket ship to go try to even catch up to Verstappen right now. So, and Mercedes knows how to build a dominant car. I mean, you don't go and win seven championships in a row without having some sort of dominance in your package. And let's be honest, folks, if it wasn't for Silverstone, the title battle might have been over by now. Because like I said, going into Silverstone, the British Grand Prix, there was a 32-point gap from Max Verstappen to Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen was over a race ahead. Had Verstappen went to win, if not maybe finish second to Lewis, if Verstappen maybe backed out, that gap could very well be over two races worth of points right now. So this bears the question for me, at least a couple questions. Should Mercedes continue to push Red Bull given that these next tracks suit them potentially more, because we know that, especially the Middle Eastern tracks like the Bahrain's and the Abu Dhabi's, they seem to suit the Mercedes a little more than they do the Red Bull. So maybe that, you know, maybe that uh, specific, you know, I guess demographic or atmosphere of the Middle East maybe suits Mercedes. So that could give them an advantage to Qatar, Saudi Arabia. Another thing to keep in mind is, will they just give up on 2021 since the gap is so large and to overcome? Because think about it. Verstappen can keep winning, and if Hamilton keeps finishing second, even if you try to take it away fastest laps, that's still six or seven points that Verstappen's putting on Hamilton. He keeps doing that over and over. He just needs to do that two more times, and he pretty much has the title locked up going into Abu Dhabi. So should Mercedes just give up on 2021? If the gap becomes too large to overcome and 
just try to get a head start on Red Bull for 2022. Because Red Bull need to be careful also. We saw this in 2013 where they went all in with Sebastian Vettel. 13 race wins, won the last nine races in a row, completely evaporated the field, and they were on the back foot to Mercedes and Ferrari going into the new regulations until this year. Think about it. Red Bull deciding to take a whole, dedicate all eggs to the basket for one year, that put them on the back foot for the next eight years. So Red Bull, they've already stated that they're putting all eggs in the basket for 2021. I don't like Red Bull's chances for 2022. Yeah, you want to win a world championship, but is one world championship really enough to validate potentially losing multiple world championships in the future? Because Red Bull have some of the smartest minds in the garage. I mean, you got Christian Horder, one of the greatest team principals of all time. You got Adrian New. Adrian Newey, I think is his name, or Adrian Seidel. No, Adrian Seidel is for McLaren. Adrian Newey is for Red Bull. One of the greatest cars ever invented from 2010 to 2013. They have the minds. They just don't dedicate the resource. They don't dedicate the resources early enough to utilize that. So is Red Bull, I'm afraid that they're going to fall into the same slope. They might win the title this year, both the constructors and the drivers. But you might not see them up in the standings a lot when these new regs come for at least a couple years. And if that happens, you can look back to 2021 as where that started. So these next races are going to determine how close the title battle really becomes. Is Mercedes going to be able to capitalize? Are they really going to want to capitalize and sacrifice development for 2022? Or is Red Bull just going to pull away put all eggs in the basket for these last four races. And is that going to bite them come 2022? We're going to have to wait and see. But right now, it looks like Red Bull, they're not stopping anytime soon. Mercedes has a lot of work to do. And I'd be very surprised if we come down to a title decider come Abu Dhabi. So let's wrap up the show by going with our potentially... Final race weekend rankings of the season. Sponsored by Johnny B's Barbershop. If you live in the South Florida area, particularly in the Davie area, head over to Johnny B's Barbershop to get yourself a fresh haircut and a hot shave. Rob, Will, Johnny, the boys over there. It's not just, you're not just going to get a great product in your haircut or your shave. It's a great atmosphere. They love to chat. They love to have a good environment, friendly conversations. You'll love it. You'll enjoy it. And if you're game, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, they're starting to show Game of Thrones on the TV now. I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, but after watching one episode, it got me hooked. So whether you're a Game of Thrones guy, whether you're a political guy, you're a sports guy, whatever it is, it's just a great atmosphere, great environment, old school vibe. You'll love it. Head over to Johnny V's Barbershop on Davie Road Extension and Sterling Road, right across the street from the Wawa, and tell them, the motorsport minister sent you. So with that being said, we got four races to rank today. We got the truck Xfinity cup series race at Phoenix, and we got the formula one race at Mexico. So without further ado, let's begin with number four on the list. I'm going to give it to the Lucas oil 150, the truck series race. The biggest moment for me was Ben Rhodes winning the title. You're going to see a theme for, Basically, all the cup for all from the NASCAR races. The big, I'm just going to spoil it ahead of time. The biggest moment is them winning the championship, whoever driver it was, because, well, 
obviously that's the championship race. That is the going to be the biggest moment. So biggest moment for me is Ben Rhodes winning the title, which I predicted right. I did say on the last episode that Ben Rhodes would win the championship. It was the only prediction I got right. But Ben Rhodes didn't win the championship. I did say that Ben Rhodes' consistency was going to outlast John Hunter Nemechek's dominance just because John Hunter Nemechek was not good during the playoffs, and that prediction turned out to be true. Worst moment for me is that there really was no championship con- you know, contention. I mean, and also from the fact that there was no real championship celebration. I mean, really besides Ben Rhodes pulling a Brad Kozlowski from 2012, and that looked like the worst championship celebration I've ever seen. You And if you think I thought it was bad, go ask my buddy Will, a.k.a. NASCAR Opinion on Twitter. He hated it, and I don't blame him. The best moment for me, kind of contradict just a smidge of what I try to say in my first reason for worst moments, is Ben Rhodes versus Zane Smith. They had a little bit of a battle for a couple laps for the title, but really besides that, there really was no doubt that Ben Rhodes was going to lose the championship. So number three on my list is the Mexico City Grand Prix, the F1 race. Um, the race was, eh. I mean, really besides a couple moments, I felt the race was much of a dud. Biggest moment for me was the lap one crash with Ricardo and Botas and Yuki Tsunoda and Alfa Romeo. And I think George Russell was also caught up in the mix. That was the biggest moment for me. The worst moment is, you could say, most of the race. There really was no battle for the win. You never felt like Verstappen was really going to be contested. There really wasn't that many battles for the lead at all. You had the scare that maybe Mercedes, Perez might jump Hamilton. And, you know, they had a little bit of a battle for a couple laps, but it's Mexico. It's hard to pass. I never really thought Hamilton was going to get past at all. Best moment for me was... Perez on the podium at his home race, the celebration with him and his father. That was a very, very special moment to just see the crowd, the roar of Sergio Perez standing on the podium. That was just, that was equivalent, if not surpassed Verstappen winning at the Dutch Grand Prix. Number two on the list of the Xfinity championship race. I'm not kidding. That's what it's called. There was no real name for this race. Number two on the list. Biggest moment for me, Daniel Hemrick's last lap title pass. I mean, you saw Hemrick was desperate. He's like, I am not letting this get away. There was just more on the line for Daniel Hemrick. Not only was it his first championship, it was also his first Xfinity Series win. Worst moment for me was really no contest from AJ Allmendinger. This race was that good where I really once had to try to nitpick a worst moment. And Almendinger really was, he was a non-factor all race. I thought he'd play more of a factor. He started, I believe, 16th. He had a spin. Almendinger really just had no shot at it, and that's kind of disappointing. Best moment for me was Austin Sindrick versus Daniel Henry towards the end. Really all race long. It was down between those two. They were beating and banging for so many laps. And to see Hembrick just send it going into the final corner to pass Sindrick and the final corner for the win, that was amazing. Also, Daniel Hemmerich, that was a pretty damn badass flip. So, number one, honestly, I'm arguing. Number one to number two should be switched. But because I'm a homer, I'm putting this at number one. It's the season finale 500, the Cup Series race. Biggest moment for me, Kyle Larson making history. 
I'm going to be a little bit of a fanboy here because this is more of a little laid back portion of the show. Kyle Larson making history, winning the championship. I'm a Larson fan. That's also my best moment of the race, Kyle Larson winning the title. And yes, that is the main reason why I have this race at number one is Kyle Larson winning the championship. I don't care what any of you say. Yes, I'm a homer. Kyle Larson smacked everyone in the field. He wasn't the best car all day, but he was the best driver and he had the best team all day. So worst moment was really clean air being king. I never felt like Hamlin was going to get by Truex. Same way I never felt like Chase was going to get by Larson. Really, I never felt like Truex was going to get by Larson. So with that being said, number one is the Cup Series race. Number two is the Xfinity Series race. Number three is the Formula One race. And number four is the Truck Series race. And with that, that concludes another episode of the Motorsport Ministry. If you enjoyed, please follow me on Spotify at the Motorsport Ministry. That's obviously where you can search it up also. Or just search it up. You can look it up on the links that I send on my Twitter and Facebook accounts, Armani DePaul, and for Twitter, at Motor Minister. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Motorsport Ministry, and we will see you in the next episode.